0: This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Now it's illegal to televise court proceedings in this state, so we'll have to be quiet. Well, welcome back. Afternoons on News Talk 770. I don't know that it's, strictly speaking, illegal to put cameras in the courtroom, but uh, you'd better get the judge's permission first. Supreme Court... uh, Proceedings are, are often televised or at least open to cameras. And it's an interesting contradiction, I think, because uh, court proceedings, unless there's a, a specific reason to exclude the public, are, are open to anybody. You want to go and sit down and watch a trial just as as a purely just as a curious spectator. You're entitled to do so. So what's the argument against allowing cameras in the courtroom? Well, It's not something that happens very often. Uh, But there's arguments uh, being heard today in Edmonton asking a judge to allow cameras into court, not for a trial, not for testimony, but merely next week for the reading of the verdict. So it's not as though we're going to have to show witnesses on camera, show jurors on camera, anything like that. Uh, This is about showing the judge reading this verdict. And it's a very high profile and complex, maybe you didn't say controversial murder case, Uh, the case of Travis Vader, the verdict set to come down next week. Well, our next guest is a very thoughtful column uh, on some of the issues around allowing cameras in the courtroom. Paula Simons is a columnist for the Edmonton Journal. She joins us on the line here this afternoon. Hello, Paula.
1: Good afternoon, Rob.
0: Great to have you with us. Uh, So the the arguments are being made today. Is that right?
1: The arguments were made yesterday. yesterday. I was in in the courtroom while they happened, and uh, Judge Denny, Denny Thomas of the Alberta Court of Queen's Bench will decide Tuesday whether... We will be allowed to have one pool camera in the courtroom, and then he'll decide Thursday on the fate of Travis Bader.
0: Okay, so, so the verdict comes down Thursday. Yeah. The decision yeah. on this comes Tuesday. Okay, yeah. so the, the request is pretty straightforward then. so a number of media outlets uh, who simply want one camera. They'll share the, the images from that camera, but it's one single camera and it's to record the judge reading the verdict,
1: right? That's right. And I think it's important that people understand that we're not talking about, a, you know, like, like you'd see in a, an American movie, They're not going to be a whole scrum's worth of TV cameras and people jostling for position. And the deal is that the camera would just so show the judge we wouldn't see Travis Vader's face, whether he's uh, convicted or or whether he's found not guilty. Uh, there wouldn't be witnesses in the courtroom, there wouldn't be uh, jurors because it's been a trial by jury alone, by judge alone, and we wouldn't see the faces of the McCann family either. Uh, And I think it's also really important for listeners to know that both the McCann family and Travis Vader and his lawyer are in favor of having the camera in the courtroom, which is an unusual thing.
0: And it's significant, too. Yeah, I think it's absolutely worth noting. Now, I understand this would probably be a a first in Alberta, wouldn't it?
1: There have been only two instances of cameras during court proceedings. Uh, It's quite common for cameras, obviously, to be in the legislature, in city council, in school board meetings, during public inquiries. We've only had them twice in courtrooms in this province, once. It was at the very beginning of my career, a long time ago, during the code inquiry into the failure of the principal group financial company.
0: My goodness. You you were like a junior high student on a a practicum,
1: uh, right? uh, The ink was not yet dry (laughs) on my diploma. Uh, I was a little baby reporter when that was was happening. My goodness. And then uh, more recently, but still quite some time ago, uh, you might remember a fatality inquiry into the case of Connie Jacobs. She was uh, a First Nations woman from the Calgary area, um, there was a, a terrible incident where the police attended to her home, and you know things got out of hand, and 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 she ended up being you know the shots being fired, and, and she and her son. Uh, so it was yeah. it was a, a case that really brought into focus relations between uh, police and the indigenous community, and so there was a lot of public attention around that. So it, that was uh, the other very rare circumstance where the fatality inquiry uh, was. There was a TV camera, but of course that was long before the days of live streaming, and that's what we're asking for now—not just to have a TV camera in the courtroom, but to live stream the the moment at which the verdict is read, which will be very dramatic uh, because this has been a very controversial uh, murder trial.
0: It, well, it has, and, and we can talk a bit about why why this matters or why it's important in this case. But it is interesting because in the era we're in, and we see it quite often now, reporters who are at the courthouse are essentially live-streaming what's happening. You can type oh, fast enough, you can...
1: no, 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 no. In, uh, in Edmonton, at least, I, I, I've never covered courts in Calgary. Edmonton has some of the most conservative rules about electronic equipment well, in the courtroom. Right? We are not allowed to tape, like, to tape record. Well, no, but I'm talking about courtroom. Tweeting. Well we we can tweet. Yeah, okay. We, we can That's tweet. what I mean. That's but, what I mean but, by essentially
0: yeah. live streaming. If you can type yeah. fast enough, you can yeah. t- transmit what's happening in the courthouse.
1: Yeah, and I and I've gotten pretty fast with right. my thumbs. Um, but we can't in Calgary you're allowed to bring cameras into the like the foyer of, of the courthouse. Yeah. In Edmonton the media has to stand outside. You can't you can't take a picture or shoot a video of you know uh, a defense attorney or a, or a family member even inside where it's warm so in the dead of winter the camera crews have to huddle outside and then you know there's one door that people go through it and and it becomes a chase scenario it's really it's really quite awful so you know uh the idea that we'd ever be able to to have a camera in, in a courtroom here is really quite revolutionary. And, and I think, again, it's really important to stress that in this case, uh, Fred Kozak, who's the media lawyer who's acting for the consortium, which includes Post Media, my employers, the CBC, CTV, Global, and the Canadian Press, um, we're not asking to record every trial from here on in. It's a very specific fact circumstance for this case.
0: Well, what's the argument against it? I, I, I have the trouble understanding why we have such strict rules and restrictions around this. These, these are proceedings that are open to the public. Anyone can go down and watch. Well,
1: and, and, and that's for very good reason. They are supposed to be open to the public. They're supposed to be transparent so that we can hold the justice system accountable. And in many ways, if you think about the way a trial is configured, it is supposed to be dramatic. It's sure. not just a dry recitation of facts in a computer that spits out a verdict. Um, these are a confrontational system and we hear both sides and there's that clash of evidence that clash of arguments and a judge who has to weigh the evidence in the balance so it's an inherently dramatic structure and it's been that way you know, for, for a thousand years of British common law so the argument the crown is advancing here because only the crown is opposing this application uh, crown Ashley Finlayson has a, a couple of main arguments he argues first of all that uh, because the verdict in this case, the judge's real judgment, uh, Denny Thomas's real judgment, is going to be more than 130 pages long. If he actually read the whole thing, it would probably take four to five hours. He's not going to be doing that. He's going to be offering uh, a more cogent summary from mm-hmm. the bench. So the Crown is arguing that because people will only hear that 12 to 15-minute summary instead of the whole five-hour Uh, verdict, that they'll come away from that with a misapprehension about, about the decision, that they won't get the full context. And so he says it'll be too confusing for people. It'll be better for them if they just read someone like me who can explain it to them than watching it for themselves, which I find really quite a remarkably patronizing attitude and, and a really interesting backhanded compliment to the press because well, Finlayson went on and on about how great, your reporters do such a wonderful job, we should just rely on reporters to tell people what happened. So
0: the summary and of I, the summary is better than the summary. Yeah, that's right.
1: I, okay, mean, you know, gotcha. I, I give pretty good summaries, but I think people should be able to watch for themselves and, and, you know, and, and hold me accountable too. Uh, his other arguments, though, were a bit harder to understand. He made an argument uh, about copyright and a concern that somehow if we broadcast Asked this we'd violate the copyright of the decision which is a surreally illogical argument this is I mean there's no copyright on a judge's decision these are public documents in the public domain I don't violate copyright by by you know showing a video of it it's just that was just a really odd argument but but his his main argument and I think his point of greatest passion was to say that this would open the floodgates and that this would somehow diminish the quality of Uh, our justice system across the board, because once you allowed this camera in, where would it end? To which the media's lawyer, Fred Kozak, said that, you know, the court should not listen to what he called chicken little arguments. And he said, you know, this is a very particular application for this set of facts. It's at the judge's discretion. You said at the beginning, you know, that that, that there's no there is no law that says you can't have a camera in the courtroom, it is at the judge's discretion. And so what Mr. Kozak and the media groups are asking is uh, for the judge here, who's a very senior, very respected, very articulate judge, he's not a shy flower, um, uh, he knows how to comport himself in front of the cameras, he had a political life before he was on the bench, um, to allow this camera into this courtroom for this particular case.
0: Well, you know, and and I I think there's value. I think people have conceptions about how the justice system works. We we watch a lot of American TV shows and movies. I I think there would be some value in people actually seeing what a Canadian court looks like. I think that's an argument in favor.
1: And in this case in particular, because the Travis Fader trial has been controversial for years. And this is a murder investigation that's gone on for six years Uh, for for people in southern Alberta who may not be as familiar with it. uh, The alleged victims here, and I say alleged because their bodies have never been found, and the defense actually argues that the Crown has yet to prove that they're dead. Um, the victims, uh, Lyle and Marie McCann, were a very beloved uh, retired couple from the affluent suburb of St. Albert. They were heading off in their motor home to uh, take a very Alberta vacation across Alberta and B.C. to meet up with their adult children there. Uh, when they didn't arrive, the adult children became concerned, uh, alerted the authorities. Eventually, uh, they found the uh, burnt-out uh, motor home uh, um, and uh, there's a there's a very sort of compelling but not conclusive body of circumstantial evidence that appears to link Travis Vader to some of the McCanns' belongings, but there's nothing that specifically indicates very clearly that he killed the McCanns. Because, as I say, as his lawyer argues, there's no actual evidence. It's conclusive that the McCanns are dead except yes. for their except for their completely uh uncharacteristic disappearance uh the defense also brought forward a witness who claimed that they'd seen the McCanns at a campground later than the time that the crown argues that that vader uh, uh, their theory of the crime is that he killed them at a certain point and that they that the, the the defense says, no these are what statistics say that they saw the McCanns after that point so How could Vader have killed them if they were still alive? Um, And the the defense has also argued that, you know, perhaps an associate of Mr. Vader's, because Mr. Vader, let it be said, has a significant criminal record Mm -hmm. and is not, you know, I mean, there's a reason that the RCMP focused on him. He was the local bad boy. Uh, But the defense has argued that Mr. Vader had a criminal associate who they say could also very plausibly have you know have killed the McCanns if indeed that is what happened, um, and that person is uh, somewhat conveniently uh, dead, so you know is not there to defend himself and say, you know, so he you know, this is the alternate theory of the crime put forward by the defense, but but the reason it's become so controversial isn't just that the McCanns were such sympathetic victims or that Vader is such an intriguing, um, charismatic uh, villain of the piece. But because there are a lot of complaints and allegations about the way the RCMP and the Crown have handled this case, allegations that, uh, that they sort of became fixated on Vader, that they engineered these really complicated uh, Mr. Big Sting operations, uh, not just surveilling Mr. Vader but also his sister, that they set up a fake job and hired the sister for the fake job and sent her on fake business trips and basically invaded the sister's life in the hopes that she would say something that was somehow incriminating, which she never really did. and so there's a lot of uh, a lot of concern, I think, and has been for months now, that did the RCMP overreach? Did the Crown and the RCMP fail in their obligations to provide timely disclosure to the defense of all of the documents, the voluminous amount of evidence that they'd collected? So there have been a lot of questions about the way justice has been administered here. And so whatever decision Denny Thomas renders next Thursday is going to be a controversial one because if he acquits Mr. Vader, uh, if he says that the crown did not do a good enough job of establishing their case, that there is reasonable doubt. A lot of people are going to be very, very upset because I think in Edmonton, in the public mind, there are many, many, many people who are very firmly convinced evidence or no evidence that Travis Vader, uh, was implicated in the murder of Lala Marie McCann, uh, Um, So if he's acquitted, it will be hugely controversial. Conversely, if he's convicted, it will be hugely controversial because there have been so many questions raised about the way the Crown and the RCMP prosecuted this case. So I think it's really important in this particular instance that people hear directly from the judge why he's making the decision that he is. And I think, you know, at this point... We just don't know what the judge is going to decide, because even sitting in the courtroom for hours yesterday while the judge and the lawyers all talked about this, I mean, Denny Thomas wasn't giving any, you know, uh, dropping any hints in his demeanor or his or his addiction to indicate uh, what verdict we might expect next Thursday.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fascinating uh, for a number of reasons, as you say, Paula. We'll see how it all plays out next week. More at EdmontonJournal.com. Uh, thanks, as always, uh, for making some time for us here today. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Paula Simons, columnist for the Edmonton Journal. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 12:30 on News Talk, 770 Calgary.